Uh, Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us for the weekly update on this Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, it's always good to be back, even though we miss you with Shalim already. Yeah, amazing, huh? And and I hear that uh, just as Yontif ended, the, uh, a nice amount of rain started falling in Israel, which is always a good sign. Yes, it's raining there. I just spoke to people that yesterday, uh, day before in Tel Aviv and in Jerusalem, and the rain is very important, but everybody had a, an amazing circus where the weather was so glorious, and every day it was just beautiful. What are we going to do about uh, encouraging more and more people in this country, the United States of America, and other countries that we speak to on a weekly basis, what are we going to do to encourage them to get a trip to Israel on their personal calendar? Well, if nothing else, the UNESCO debate of the last few days and weeks, and on this show, what we've discussed for two years, warning about what was going to happen, uh, and it's interesting, I met people in Israel who, you know, now that everybody's talking about it and everybody's issuing statements, said that they remembered a long time ago that we started talking about it and people just couldn't fathom that this was going to be so serious. It still caught every, it still caught people off guard the way the way it came down. But anyway, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And and uh, but it was fully ante- anticipated if you follow the process and and the process is not over. They're not going to stop with this. This is the Palestinians initiative. But it uh, you know, becomes a way for people to express their affinity with them and to, to knock Israel in some cases. We are moving some of the votes in the right direction from uh, negative to abstain, abstain to yes. Uh, the last vote was better than the first, but I do not, and I, I must say well, I don't agree with the prime minister who, uh, who praised the abstentions and marked it as a political achievement. You, you do or you, don't agree with the Prime Minister? I do not. Right, yeah, I agree because with you. Because I do not believe you can have moral, you can have on a moral issue, abstention. It was, it was, it's, it was like a bad football team performing decently against a powerhouse and calling it a moral victory. It was, and call, it was, exactly, but, and, and I, I hope that people will, or I ask that people take the time to go online and read the document. It won't take them that long, but it's much longer and more complex than people believe in. What I have found in all my meetings with heads of state, ambassadors, everybody else, is nobody's read the thing. Nobody knows what it says. And it's far worse. And we saw it translated this week exactly what I said would happen in terms of the removal in U.N. documents, in U.N. debate, where the Temple Mount is only called Ham al-Sharif, uh, al-Sharif other sites are only referred to by their Muslim names. We are we are seeing Jewish history erased. We're seeing Christian history erased too. Our traditions, I believe, our association with Jerusalem. Even the head of UNESCO has now issued a second statement condemning the decision of the body she headed. The the Mexicans turned around. Rienzi, the Prime Minister of Italy, said he, he regretted the votes and they would be opposed to it. Others, I hope, are are going to join the bandwagon. The Czech Republic. Uh, Parliament voted, I think it was 119 to 4 or something, uh, to to oppose uh, this, these measures. So people are beginning to see, uh, it's quite remarkable still to me that, that the uh, Christian community, the, the Vatican and others, who have no hesitancy in coming out on many issues and criticizing Israel and, and um, expressing themselves, 
have not found a voice on this. So, when the, it, the, it is the so Vatican, fundamental. The Vatican has not reacted to the plea by Israeli officials to get involved? They haven't reacted at all? There's been no statement uh, that I know of from the Vatican itself um, uh, condemning this and... and uh, understanding what the World Heritage Council did this week of UNESCO with the original UNESCO vote. And I'm saying to you that I believe that there will be more. And and you see how ludicrous this is, Nahum, and what the real intent, because there's no gain for the Palestinian people by doing this. Israel doesn't deny that the Muslims have some association. In fact, Jews are discriminated against on, on the Temple Mount, not Muslims. Muslims are free to go and pray there, etc., and Jews are, are, are uh, limited. But now the PA has declared war on the Balfour Declaration, right. which is going to, we're going to mark the 100th anniversary right. of the Balfour Declaration, uh, which was signed in 1917. November 2nd, if I'm not mistaken. November 2nd, exactly. And, and they're fighting what they call the, quote, crime of the Balfour Declaration, and the, the, the officially a Palestinian authority announced this, a year-long campaign to commemorate the crime. They, they've gone to the House of Lords to, to try and get an apology. Uh, for those who know that Balfour is not, not just the name of the street in Jerusalem, <laughs> it was the British Pardon Secretary, Arthur James Balfour, who announced his government's intention to create a, a national home for the, the Jewish people. Before World it, War II, by the way, for, every, for everybody who associates... Yeah, yeah. Well, I know that we we like to only concentrate on the fact that the you know that the Bible gives us the right to Israel. But for those who like to associate the Holocaust with that, with then the uh, creation of the state of Israel, if if you want to speak only in modern terms, Balfour was 1917. That's right, and it it, it was the position of the international community. This was right on the right before the British uh, took the the um, Ottoman territory of Palestine away from the Ottoman Empire. And so they were the given the mandate for this, so it had international legal standing, and the international community supported it. Now we have this campaign, which shows what they're trying to do is to delegitimize and denigrate, even deny, because no one can say the temples didn't exist. It, it, there are so many discoveries, and I'm sure I know you follow uh, this as well, uh, but when I was in Israel this time, I went to the Sifting Project, where they're still going through the material taken off the Temple Mount. And while you're there, you find things that were from the, the tiles, pieces of the tile of the plaza of the Temple. Well, I mean, well, it, well, this fra- is irrefutable. This, and this, now they found yeah, this 2,700 year old uh, papyrus, papyrus, uh, papyrus um, uh, fragment, uh, da- uh, um, uh, artifact right. that had been stolen from some cave. And and because of the desert climate, it was preserved perfectly. So you can read the two lines uh, on the papyrus, and and it's it's it says uh, from the uh, king's maidservant uh, Naharata, which is a place it mentioned in the in the Chumash in the Bible as being on the bo- border between when it it, 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 it it explains the border between Benjamin Benjamin and Ephraim, uh, and then it says. The jars of wine to Jerusalem. So they're telling you, here you have 2,700-year-old document in ancient Hebrew script telling you clearly, this is in, in Sefer Yoshua, you can look it up, sixteen, um, uh, chapter 16. If you rely uh, on the New York Times reference, it's chapter 16, uh, verse 7. 
<laughs> right. So you can you can uh, check it out. But that that is <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the I'll tell, first. First of all, I got to yep. give the Antiquities Authority credit because you know that I'm sure they planned on releasing this Sukkah's time when everybody was celebrating the uh, the temple activities, quote-unquote, uh, near Harabayat. So I'm sure well, one of the reasons it was delayed, I mean, this is from the time of the kingdom of, of, of Judah. So this is the 7th century BCE, which means 2,700 years ago. Right. And um, so, so the, the reason is because they were trying to die. If this thing had been stolen, they captured it back in a raid done by the uh, officers of the Antiquities Authority, and uh, it was restored and it was taken care of, and they were trying to document exactly all the aspects because before they go public. But here it's clear the reference to Jerusalem. And it's an unprecedented thing. I just, they, I, I just, found. I just give them credit because I'm sure you're confident as well that they've held held on to this for weeks to Dafka release it right on the day of the UNESCO vote. So, well, it was also because they they uh, had the dedication during Sukkot uh, of the of uh, the new Antiquities Authority building designed by Moshe Safdi, and I suggest people when you go to your shulam, you'll go and see it. It's not finished; and it's not open to the public completely, but there there you will see the most incredible displays of the antiquities that have been found, which erase any questions, any doubts. You can see it, you can touch it, you can, you can uh, read about it. I mean, there's absolutely no question. And here you have UNESCO, the body that's supposed to be protecting educational, social, cultural factors, engaged in this, in this uh, libelous attack on, on, on Jewish and Christian history. And it, it, it is, to me, so outrageous, and it must it must be repealed. And I, I hope everybody will join the efforts, and they will hear more about it. Well, the irony is that you know nobody, and I forget where the quote was from. I you know so much stuff comes across to everybody these days, so I don't remember exactly where I saw it. But it, the the irony is that nobody cares for historical places and historical you know significant holy places like Israel does. And That's, just look what's happened in 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 Syria. Where, where's all the condemnation? They destroyed Palmyra. They destroyed Naharia. They the, 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 uh, um, they destroyed um, uh, the religious artifacts all throughout the place, uh, and wherever ISIL went, and others, and the bombings which indiscriminately destroy ancient uh, artifacts and buildings and and remnants. And nobody cares. Oh, here it is. In your daily alert, I saw it. It's, it's a quote from the Prime Minister. We are the only ones who are scrupulously, carefully, and zealously safeguarding the holy places. Radical right. Islam blows up mosques, churches, historic sites, slaughters Yazidis, Muslims who do not agree with them, slaughters Christians, whoever they can. That that was straight from the Prime Minister's office. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so now back that to... That I agree with. So, <laughs> I can imagine. So now back to your first point. Uh, you know, what should we be doing? Should we be taking to the streets? Should American jury be gathering outside the United Nations? Do does the does the average person in Israel does it affect them the way it seems to be? You know, an affront to us. You know, to to us uh, American citizens who care about Israel. What do we do? I, I, I I'm not sure that the people in Israel. You know, there's the umshmum attitude, right. uh, which that the term adopted by Shamir, Prime Minister Shamir at the time, where they dismissed the UN and the, and people really renowned people, uh, very thoughtful ones, uh, two of them were arguing with me that we should not move to repeal. So I said to them, did you oppose the repeal of Zionism racism? Right. So, of course not, of course not. 
I said, this is worse. Zionism racism. Yeah, this is ten times worse. against the Jewish people. <laughs> this has real consequences. <laughs> and uh, you know that Article 34 of this document governs what the role of the Israeli police on the Temple Mount and condemns them for interfering with the Waqf, meaning the, the Islamic Trust that is in charge there for the, the Al-Aqsa, etc. Uh, and, and it's not going to regulate and say to them, you have no right to be there. It will say that the Jews don't have a right. And 20 years from now, 10 years from now, maybe even five, people will say, well, what do you want? This is uh, the international community. This is the accepted position. I'm trying to think back to the repeal of Zionism, racism, what the attitude was if it was in 25th important. year, this year, anniversary of the repeal of Zionism, racism, and we're going to mark it because this is the message that we beat Zionism, racism, racism we'll beat BDS, and we will beat this UNESCO resolution. It took from uh, 1976 to 1991 uh, uh, to get it done, Right, but... We will we will do this quickly. Seventy five, uh, and we will. Pardon me. Oh, because you started working on it in seventy six, right? Seventy five was the vote, right? At uh, seventy five, right. so I was setting from nineteen seventy six right. to, right. to nineteen ninety one to repeal it, and we must make this a concerted effort. And we will. All right, so asking if, people who have contacts in countries abroad do business there, raise it, tell them, explain to them why it's it's in the interest of no group to have this precedent set because the next time they'll they'll do it against. Buddhist statue, you see, saw the destruction of, of their uh, those ancient artifacts, uh, huge columns uh, and yeah. statuary, and the world said oh, this is a terrible thing, and then gone. Um, all right. So if the if if in Israel there's more of an attitude, you know, laid back, not caring much about the UN and all that, I get that. No, I think that that I, I was saying that it was an example. Right. That I'm not sure. You know, with all the things that are on their heads and right. uh, all the issues, I understand that. But but, but, I, but people did raise it. People are upset about it. The government has certainly been active on it, and and I think that uh, more and more people will come to understand. Right. But when you think about the repeal of Zionism, racism was re- it was really done on a diplomatic level, right? Including you know right. Jewish establishment organizations in that it wasn't one of those take to the streets levels. So unless someone does have the connections you just mentioned, there, there seems not to not much. For the average person in the U.S. who cares about Israel to do on this issue, am I right about that or not? One thing is to go to Israel and visit these sites and show, reinforce what they're doing at Ir David, the tunnels next to Kotel. Amazing new discoveries. I mean, just super amazing new things every day that that have been uncovered and are being uncovered. So people should go and reaffirm our connection by visiting, taking their kids there, talking to their kids about it, talk about the new discoveries. To show them, you know, that all the things they're learning in Shibot and day schools and stuff, it's true. It's true because it's proven. Scientists are proving it. Archaeologists are proving it. It's not rabbis proving it. And and we will be putting out notices asking people to take certain actions. We, we did put out a petition. It was signed by all the member organizations of the conference uh, to the United Nations. I got an answer from Ban Ki-moon on it. And, we are, and as I said... He's been uh, helpful on this, right? Yes, and Bukova, and I, I want to credit the United States has been very helpful in interceding, and, you know, because of all the pressure we've brought to bear, the United States cut off funding to UNESCO when they admitted the PA as a member and gave it state status. Congress mandated that, and, and the, so we don't pay dues, and that limits their effectiveness, they say, in the body, but they did argue and did work to... Uh, to counter this uh, this measure, America's one and only Jewish 
moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jamnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. Reminder, December 1st, we are transitioning to a digital platform. Uh, which means uh, it, if you listen outside of New York and New Jersey or if you listen in New York and New Jersey on any of our non-terrestrial radio platforms, it will not affect you at all. But if you are listening on terrestrial radio, we are asking everybody to transition with us as we will discuss it over the next few weeks, uh, whether it's the NSN app or web radio or a listen line on your phone or uh, Bluetooth in your car, whatever the case may be. Uh, and we will give out more and more details as we get closer and closer. Uh, well, it seems that uh, what we were hoping for never materialized, and that was a serious discussion. I mean, I mentioned this two weeks ago when you were on as well, but uh, ne- never really a serious discussion in terms of foreign policy uh, when it comes to the two major candidates. Election Day is a week from Tuesday, and, and, and unless I'm totally misreading it, and I'm not saying there was no discussion, but, but it seems that both candidates, um, nev- at least as far as the way I viewed it, never really convinced the American people they have a real grasp on foreign policy issues. you agree? I do agree. And I think it's, it's regrettable that, uh, that issues generally got short shrift um, in, because everybody was so focused on the um, comments, the, the, the accusations, the allegations, the, uh, and that the real debate on policy basis was, was unfortunately too limited and I hope, still in the ten days, twelve days remaining, eleven days remaining, that that we will still see more focus on it, yes. uh, on, on the substantive issues, and hearing people, the, the candidates address. I mean, we have so many serious issues aside from what is happening in Syria and in Iraq and in Yemen. Just in the Middle East alone, you have a dozen issues. We see Russia's interventions. The Russians now permanizing, permanentizing the uh, a base at the Tartus, which they at least, and now it's not the most modern and up-to-date base, but it gives them the first forward base, that permanent base now, uh, in the Mediterranean. And they said this will be a base of operation, not just for Syria, but for the whole region, even though the big aircraft carriers and other things can't come come into the port, but they will, they're fixing it up, and they will expand it, just as they established the Air Force base in Syria as a permanent uh, presence. And, and the Russians talk about it and, and speak very openly about their intention. They put the S-300 anti-aircraft system. It gives them now the control in the air and, and by sea. This is something Israel obviously has to be very con, uh, concerned about it. All being it, done with Syrian regime's permission, right? Or, or oh, of course, yeah. Well, the Syrian regime is dependent upon Russia right, and, so I and see, Iran, yeah. and they're committed to keeping Assad in power, and so yeah. it's in his interest to, to keep this as well. Um, but the they they are signing the necessary documents, and they talked about the that they are going to be moving ahead very quickly now. Um, they already see the Russian ships that have been calling at the port. You've seen the, the uh, rockets being fired from, from uh, R- Russian uh, ships. It'll become a base for refueling and supplies so they can cover much of the Mediterranean. You know, this is an age-old dream. This combined with the railroad building that they're building from Russia through Azerbaijan to the Persian Gulf to getting warm water outlets to have uh, a presence in, Tur- in Iran at the Hamadan uh, Air Force Base, which I believe will also be a very long-term uh, 
commitment. I heard so. someone say Russia gave up its dominance to the east and north, so they're going for the west and south. Well, I'm not sure they've given up anything. We see the the um, their actions uh, in the Ukraine. We've seen the actions in in other areas. I hear in Azerbaijan, and they, they are reasserting their influence in the former Soviet Union areas, but also challenging uh, more and more. In Georgia, for instance, they keep moving the border. And there was an article this week about it about farmers who who can't go home because they get arrested by Russian border guards because their farms and their where they lived was part of of uh, Abkhazia or something and and uh, of Georgia originally and now the Russian border guards keep moving further and further and shouldn't, arrest people. Shouldn't the UN be condemning that? My gosh! Oh right, and now the government of Kyrgyzstan is is near collapse. We're seeing. Other uh, uh, movements, uh, Aliyev is under a lot of pressure, the president of Azerbaijan, and the West has essentially abandoned a lot of these people. We, we are doing more to criticize them on human rights and other grounds, which may be legitimate concerns, but we have to understand the broader picture. And the other beneficiary of this is, is Iran. And uh, by the way, Turkey is also showing much more expansive designs. That Erdogan, uh, the, the, recently there were maps displayed where Mosul in Iraq is part of Turkey. And you're seeing Ottoman era maps being uh, shown. But the, 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 even the maps today of modern Turkey now are being shown incorporating some of these other areas. So you have the Ottoman Empire, the Persian Empire, and the Russian Empire competing, and the West is absent. And this void is being exploited all the time. Turkey would not be making these moves if they didn't see Russia doing what they're doing, right? Or well, not necessarily. First of all, they have particular interests, uh, fighting the Kurds. You know, they bombed the Kurds in the last week. Um, they, they see this as part of their, of their protection of their own borders, right. uh, fighting ISIL, which is, threatens them. Uh, and, you know, you've had attacks, uh, terrorist attacks inside, um, uh, inside uh, Turkey. Uh, the IRGC takes advantage of the Iran Revolutionary Guard. They, they say we're ten times more powerful yesterday, uh, the commander uh, said in a public statement, than they, than they were, and that they're the most powerful force in the Middle East, and that they will be able to expand their uh, influence. We saw the Soleimani, the key operative, military operative of the IRGC, is in Mosul now, and, and while the United States is trying to get the, to get the Iraqi government to kick him out, they're not doing it. And, and so, you know, Khomeini made an interesting comment about the lack of serious determination to counter terrorism. Well, he's right, because nobody will, is stopping Iran. Right. You know, they're going ahead. They're rearming Hamas and Hezbollah, reestablishing ties, what the, uh, arming Houthis in Yemen, doing all of their subversive activities. And we're talking about just giving them more and more. The West is, is collapsing in front of them. Yeah, and I don't think much is going to change with the new president either. Well, a lot of th- people, I mean, it's going to take months till the next president is really in, in place, and I don't think that the candidates share necessarily completely the view of the current administration on something that, that will be tested. Uh, people don't want to commit troops. They don't want to um, engage America in a ground war. But the presence of America and our political activities and the, you know, the Iran sanctions bill expires on December 31st, and the House is going to take it up right after the election and the Senate thereafter. Here again is an issue where your listeners 
can write to their congressman and write to their senator, and this is really important, to say that the Iran sanctions must stay in place, the, the existing legislation be extended, and further sanctions be considered in view of the fact that they harass our ships, that they kidnap their soldiers, they're engaging in terrorism, they are playing more and more of a disruptive role, and you see the Saudi-Iranian tensions uh, But you wouldn't increasing. expect that the bill wouldn't pass. The, 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 the Iran would, sanctions. It, it will pass. Right. I'm saying it's not like we're making an effort because of fear that it's not going to pass. We're making an effort just to show support. Well, we don't know in the Senate whether the administration will support it or not, and if you know, if it's a different Democratic, Senate, right, right. Democrats don't support it, we that's could true. end up with the... That's true. The bill could be in danger, but I'm optimistic that we'll pass it, right. and I think that it represents the sentiment, but you don't know in a political year what machinations take place and what... Uh, what could happen, Malcolm? When 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 I read over Yuntif that Boko Haram has you know released prisoners that they've kept prisoners hostages ra- ra- rather would be a better word that mean that that indicates what a, a weakness uh, a negotiation because uh, they're not the type as we've read about them they're not the type to just you know sim- simply let people go you know for benevolent reasons right and we'll find out that there was a trade off and that there were release of other prisoners and that. Um uh, you know, there has been a concerted effort by the Army against them, a consistent effort, and uh, they knew that this was uh, very unpopular amongst the people. Uh, they don't, they're not interested usually in popularity contests, but when you want to sustain the interest and support, but there were trade-offs for it, and, and uh, I mean, I, for one, think it's very important that these uh, 21 young women were allowed to be released. Nobody knows what was done to them or what happened, the indoctrination that took place during the time that they were in captivity. But, uh, yes, there's always, we always find out later what the real deal is. So it doesn't necessarily indicate a weakness in the terror organization? Well, I think that there is some, I mean, they've been very assertive in going after them and trying to corner them in, in particular areas, but they are not dying. I mean, Boko Haram is still... A strong president. Uh, by the way, UNESCO-type victory, because we should celebrate them. And, and I know that you and I have similar attitudes when it comes to boycotts. We're not really in favor of them. I don't know if you can call this a boycott. But uh, American Express has pulled its sponsorship of the Roger Waters tour. Uh, we have discussed many times his opinions, very public opinions, about Israel. Uh, so I guess that's, a, that's somewhat of a victory, no? That's very good. So don't leave home without your American Express <laughs> and let them know that you appreciate their uh, the action. Okay. I mean, we would not tolerate a racist or bigot um, and having the sponsorship of major corporations. And we have to let it be known that that his what he's saying is unacceptable. We have every right to do it. It's it's not limiting freedom of speech. This is uh, uh, antagonistic and attacks on 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 Israel and his. His claims are, are outrageous, so I, I think this is very important. Um, we It seems to be an annual thing once the Knesset gets back into session after the holidays, uh, the discussion of a coalition crisis. Um, is, is this a media-created thing, now that there are articles appearing about Prime Minister Netanyahu's coalition crisis as the winter session opens, or it's a very serious matter? I think both are true. You have it, as you said, every year, right. and besides, you have a coalition crisis as a permanent state in Israel. That is the the condition. Um, There is more talk, and when I was there, uh, I heard it from people who might be in a position to know something, 
that uh, uh, you know the negotiations with Bougie Herzog to bring labor or what's left of labor into the government um, that the uh, you know that could be one measure to try and stave off action at the United Nations to show that they brought in uh, labor and some of their ministers into into the government that Netanyahu um, is, is trying to send to send the right signals because there is a lot of concern about what will happen and we've discussed this before between after the election and January 19th when the president's term ends uh, there has been no decision and I, I've talked to top officials here, and, and I don't believe there's even been a meeting yet, there are people thinking about the various options that are open, including perhaps uh, removing this tax-exempt status, or Treasury removing the tax-exempt status of uh, or, uh, charities that give across the Green Line to right. settlements and support them, or um, there, there could be a speech by the president, there could be a resolution. I think the most likely is is that there could be a Security Council resolution that would condemn Israel on the settlements and pave the way maybe for more sanctions or BDS or something uh, of that kind. Uh, I think uh, maybe backing for Palestinian statehood bid is one of the options that has been raised. I do not believe that is uh, in the cards. Perhaps the president will set out the Obama parameters to replace the Clinton, President Bill Clinton's parameters, mm-hmm. to talk about the you know final status negotiations. I won't go through all the options, but uh, these are the things that, that have been muted, talked about, discussed in, in the speculation. So no decision has been made. It may well be that they won't do anything. I think right. it will depend on the election results and many other factors. Um, but as you notice, the prime minister is trying to dampen down and, and warn people about statements or actions in regard to new new settlements or new uh, outposts, rather. Uh, and the whole Shiloh controversy has, uh, you know, has exacerbated the tensions uh, between the U.S. and Israel on the settlement issue. No question about that. Finally, why is the Arabic world so concerned about the Fatah Hamas rift? Uh, so the question is, are they concerned or they're annoyed? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For one thing, they want the Palestinian issue off the table. It's an obstacle to the full expression of what they want to do with Israel, some have told me. Others think that the the only hope, and the Saudis and Egyptians have been pressing Fatah about negotiations, and uh, Abbas recently visited Qatar. He met the, the leader of Hamas there, and he met, has been meeting with some of them in um, uh, some of the other factions. Uh, first, Fatah itself is disunited. You have Jibir Rajub, you have others uh, running, and, and you have Dahlan. So the Fatah elements itself are not united, but people are smelling the end of his term. They're beginning to see his vulnerability, his, uh, that that an election at some point has to come. The young people, by the way, there have been extensive riots in the refugee camps over the last few days against Abbas and again and clashes uh, not with Israelis but with the, the PA security forces, which seem to have much more leeway to respond harshly. And the so the Arab states are saying, look, sit down, negotiate, make a deal. They think that it will aid the stability in the region. It will take away an irritant. It will you know, uh, help 
uh, them right. uh, calm any possible tensions because the Palestinian issue still evokes emotional response in, in some of the Arab countries, segments of the population. And the, um, uh, you know, the timetable is not great. There's a lot of fear that, that things could escalate and carry over into other areas. And with Hamas being uh, a threat, not just to Israel, but I think even more to Egypt and others, they have a vested interest in trying to see some sort of uh, internal unity that would enable them then to have a common front to negotiate with uh, Israel. Hmm. All right. Um, let's make Wednesday Balfour Day. Teachers out there, tell your uh, students how important a day it is in Jewish history, the 99th anniversary of Balfour Day this coming Wednesday, November the 2nd. We'll do our own little campaign, Malcolm, our little... Uh, Absolutely. Great idea. Yeah, you could say that again. All right. Um, have a wonderful Shabbos. We will speak good again uh, to everybody next and good week. And, uh, thank you. Uh, Malcolm Holine is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Weekly update Friday, 740 Eastern Time here on JM in the AM.